0: The food is your quality of gasoline that you're putting in your car. And when your car has to optimally perform, the better gasoline it has, the better. Welcome to the Healing Corner with Emily Tennyson. Here, Emily talks about how the power of nutrition, detoxification, spirituality, and tuning into our body's intelligence can help knock us back into emotional, physical, and spiritual alignment. Now, here's your host, Emily Tennyson.
1: Hello, and thank you so much for joining me today as we dive into Germanic New Medicine with today's guest, Jenny Peterson. Now, when I first heard about Germanic New Medicine a few months ago, I thought to myself, there is no way this is true. Why have I not heard about this? It's equal parts fascinating and mind-blowing and cutting edge. So I knew that we had to explore it. I invite you to keep an open mind during this conversation, whether it aligns with your current beliefs or not, and allow yourself to just be curious. My guest today, Jenny Peterson, is a chronic illness coach. She supports people with chronic conditions by helping them uncover unconscious patterns that are connected to their symptoms so that they can finally heal for good. She is a GNM practitioner, speaker, teacher, founder of the Mind Body Rewire program, and she hosts her own podcast called Simplify Your Healing. Jenny's mission is to bring solutions to so many who are suffering both emotionally and physically with illness by shining a light on the body's ability to heal when unconscious stress is finally released. I'm so excited to have her on. Jenny, welcome to the podcast. It's such an honor to have you today.
0: Thank you, Emily. I am excited to be here. As always, love to share lots of GHK GNM information.
1: Oh, excellent! I I t- shared with you before we got on here that Germanic new medicine is like blowing my mind right now, and I'm so excited to just dive in because it really changes the whole paradigm on sickness and symptoms and really what they mean and what our course of action could or should be. So, I'm so excited to pick your brain um, first. Like like so many of us that are interested in alternative health. Um, I'm finding that so many people that are in this space have dealt with something like a chronic illness or a chronic condition in their past. And I would love if you could kind of walk through your own personal journey and what has led you to Germanic New Medicine.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a long one um, because I've been been, um, chronically having something since I've been little. (laughs) So, you know, I was always, we only had two kids in the family and I was the one that was always going to the doctor. Um, I had major, pretty significantly um, bad uh, acne as a kid. Um, And then I also um, had chronic sprained ankles all the time, which now I, knowing what I know, I know that why that was there, but I was on crutches all the time. I got voted as the most injured in high school. I mean, that's not really something you you strive for, but that's... (laughs) what I got voted in for um and so you know these things that were kind of like normal parts of growing up breaking things spraining things skin issues were quote-unquote normal at least that you know according to my mom and what we knew at the time and then it wasn't until about the age of 16 I had a bike accident and from that bike accident I ended up the, the bike handle landed in my stomach and ended up uh causing a puncture, a wound on my pancreas. So it was an internal wound. And instead of doing emergency surgery right away, they said, we're gonna try and just see if it goes down on its own. So I was intravenously fed for three months, got very, very um, skinny and just lived off of basically sugar water. Um, Ultimately, my body did not go to healing itself because there was too much trauma on that organ. So eventually I ended up having surgery. And after that surgery, Surgery, everything kind of just went downhill from there. Um, I ended up having a lot of digestive problems, and um, which is obvious when you when you don't eat for three months and then you go have surgery in your pancreas, you're gonna have something, you know, going on. So after that, I was brought to a lot of natural paths. My mom um, kind of went in that direction because we weren't getting answers medically, and went in that direction. Took some herbs and enzymes and you know the basic stuff for digestive stuff, and I got better. Um, but I had to stay on the pills. You know, if I got off, I didn't get better. I had to stay on those supplements. And that intrigued me. And from being intrigued from that experience, I, I then said, I want to check out natural healing. And I, at the age of 17, 18, I started taking courses in holistic medicine. And by the age of 19, I had my own health and wellness store where I um, basically ran a business of helping others with their health uh, for a total of 10 years. And that was not from German new medicine perspective. That was all perspective of, you know, the holistic world of homeopathics, diet changes, supplements. Uh, I worked with people that would call me from all all over the place and help them with recommendations of what to take, what foods to avoid. Um, But I never took care of myself. And that ultimately ended up leading to burnout and i got pregnant kind of it was a surprise we weren't planning it and along came my son and i could not manage my business and being a mom i just became extremely overwhelmed and ended up closing my store. And after I closed my store, things just really went downhill. Um, I didn't know who I was. I felt like I didn't have a purpose anymore. I was doing this since I was literally 17 years old. And now I'm a mom, but I'm also a, a very uh, much an entrepreneur at heart. And it was really hard for me to just be an at-home mom. I was so antsy. So um, after that, it, it, um, I just got sick a lot. And then we moved uh, approximately three, four years after that. It was during the move. I had um, significant stress. My husband was gone at his new job and I had to pack and do all that stuff and ended up having uh, a panic attack one night. And I didn't know what panic attacks were, thought it was a heart attack. And from there, it just really, really got bad. I literally could not walk after that. After a couple of days, my legs just went numb. Um, I was having panic attacks several times per day. Um, I couldn't drive. My husband literally came home after a week of leaving to a completely different wife. And it went um, from there, the typical, typical journey that a lot of us take, even though, you know, I knew what I knew. I still went to practitioners that were like me because ultimately a lot of times it takes someone on the outside to help, but they just did basically the same stuff that I was doing. I even went to the medical, you know, and got all the medical tests and went down that road and emergency visits, all of that. So eventually I got no answers, still came back to me and said, look, I'm a smart woman. I know I can figure this out
1: (laughs) and I'm going to figure this
0: out. And I was very determined and uh, just started doing my own research. I can't tell you where I found it, probably Googling like most of us were doing yeah, are doing when we're ill, you know, and having nothing else to do but sit on the couch and ran into um, learning about the subconscious, you know, the nervous system and, and traumas and everything else connected. And intuitively, I knew that that was my answer, but I did resist it and um, ended up kind of going in different directions at that point. And I bought a biofeedback machine and a zapping machine. So um, a total of like $40,000 on these machines that I thought would quote unquote fix me. Uh, I was zapping myself daily, you know, with electrical currents um, to kill these bad things within me. Um, And then I also bought a biofeedback machine that really just told me what was quote unquote wrong with me and how many supplements I needed to take. So once I kind of got addicted to those, cause I did, I went on those machines every day, hoping I would just kick the crap out of these things and they would leave me. Right. And also for like confirmation that I wasn't dying. I don't know. Um, I became addicted to them. And my husband literally said, you need to get rid of them. They're <laughs> not helping you. Um, they're bringing you really bad places. And um, despite us taking out a home loan and everything for these, I resold them, got rid of them. And from there, Um, Actually I have to back up, when I went to go get training for this one machine is when I learned about German New Medicine. Um, This biofeedback machine required training and I went to North Carolina, um, uh, kidney infection and all on the plane had uh, the ER (laughs) or the the ambulance come into my hotel room because I had an emergency panic attack in the middle of the night. I mean, I was not fit to be traveling, but I was destined to, um, or determined, not destined, sorry, determined, or maybe destined at the same time, um, to find the answer. And once I got to that class, um, Andy Lachmers, who is my teacher, she's a teacher of German New Medicine, um, she was there presenting about German New Medicine. And like you, when you see it, you're like, oh, my goodness. And I was hook, line, and sinker, said, this is where it is. And literally, I signed up from there of um, getting the basic information. Then I worked with coaches to work on my stuff and then got my own training to be a practitioner. So German New Medicine has been in my life for the last uh, five years. And uh, before that, it was all holistic, you know, um, ways of trying to help myself. But yeah, I'm here because all those other things didn't work. And I still needed to learn this one last thing. And I'm very, very grateful um, for this this
1: journey. Absolutely. It's fascinating because... Um, we'll get into what German new medicine is in just a moment, but it's just like, you're doing the diet, you're doing the lifestyle changes. You're doing all these things like outside of your body to detox and all, all the rest of it. And then there's still something like you're still not well. So, okay. So in a way that like my grandma could understand it, how would you describe German new medicine?
0: How your grandma would understand. <laughs> okay, you know I I mean, I mean, all right. I, I know what you mean. Yeah, or like a five-year-old. Um, so um, uh, the basic, e- easy way of explaining it here is German New Medicine, and I'm going to use GHK and GNM interchangeably because GNM is also GHK, and and it's transforming into being known as GHK versus GNM. Um, it's the basic scientific work of Dr. Hammer. Basically, in short, you know, it's the science. That supports that our body is a self-healing organism. Okay, so I can go into some. I, I really would like to just get the very basics of the foundation of, of about Dr. Hammer and what he found, so that we can, you know, have some evidence to support what I just said. So, uh, Dr. Hammer was a, a doctor of a cancer clinic in in Germany, and he. Basically, uh, experienced a traumatic experience, a shock of of his own. His son had gotten shot accidentally, and after that, he formed testicular uh, cancer. And so, after that cancer came about, he kind of questioned and said, "What the heck? I'm a healthy guy. You know, I'm an MD. Why did this all happen?" And uh, because of that kind of thinking, he went to his cancer patients in the clinic and asked them, "You know, before the cancer kind of showed up, what was going on in your life?" And he found that every single one had some type of trauma or shock or something significant that happened in their life. And he decided to take brain scans of everybody. And once he took those brain scans, he was able to see that there was these concentric rings on the brain scan that would show up in different areas of the brain. And he did research on that because he was intrigued and said, You know, what are these rings and what are the connections? Well, once he put everything together, he was able to basically dissect the brain and determine that certain locations of the brain were connected to certain areas of the body, the organs of the body. So once he discovered that there's a connection to every body organ in the brain, he was then able to make those connections of what was happening on a a psyche level, subconscious level that was connected to the brain Location and the organ location. And once he figured that out, um, it was kind of go time. He was able to help people um, with resolving their conflicts and moving forward with their healing process and understanding that um, number one, or not number one, but one one part of his uh, discovery is also the two different areas of conflict that happen, not conflict, but their phases, their phases within our body. And basically, that first phase of every quote-unquote disease starts with a conflict phase. It's where we are ruminating about a certain situation where our stress, our nervous system is heightened, our sympathetic nervous system is heightened, and then our body, once we resolve it within our mind, is able to go into what we call the healing phase. So he determined that every single conflict that a person experiences runs in those two phases, provided that there's a resolution to the conflict. Okay. And there's that conflict phase and healing phase. The conflict phase, think about it as being cold. It's when you're cold. It's when you're nervous. It's when you can't sleep. It's when you're ruminating. When you're thinking about things, you're anxious. That's when when your nervous system thinks a tiger is chasing it. And then the healing phase is that warm phase. Think about when you have, quote unquote, the flu or a bug, right? You get warm. You may have night sweats. um, You have a fever. That's the healing phase. And he determined based off of every person that he did this work with, that every person went through these two phases when resolving their conflicts and every single one. I mean, this is this is what's so amazing is every single person this ran in. That's 100 percent accuracy versus Mm -hmm. in our medical field. We don't even have close to 100 percent accuracy with anything. So that's why this work is so amazing, because it's like we can't debunk it. It, it happened 100 out of 40,000. So when right. someone resolves a conflict within their psyche, their body no longer what I like to say takes a hit. Okay, because our body is there for survival. I mean, our nervous system is there for survival. That's what it thinks all the time is am I safe? Am I safe? Mm-hmm. So anytime that we don't feel safe, it's going to start to take the hit so we can still consciously be aware and still function and still be able to be quote unquote alive. So, like I said, during that time is when you have symptoms, um, your, your healing phase is when you feel like poop and this so, is when everybody gets so wrapped up in their symptoms. Go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, I would, I can remember like every, almost every winter kind of growing up. I remember I would get like strep throat or I would get a sinus infection. And so what you're saying is actually when I had the symptoms of strep throat, that was my body healing from what you're calling like a conflict, like some kind of stress or situation that I was, my, my body was like worked up about. Correct.
0: Yep. It was, it was survival. And now it says we don't have to, this tiger's not chasing us anymore, but while we put everything on pause, we had to adapt Internally, our organs had to adapt in order to continue functioning because your brain wasn't there. Your Mm -hmm. brain was often, you know, trying to ruminate and, you know, be stressed about the situation. Your body took the hit for it. But Mm -hmm. now that you're no longer ruminating and stuck in that phase, we can go now into what we call that healing phase. And that's when we feel like poo. That's when (laughs) the symptoms come up. And that's when everybody freaks out because that's what we've been programmed to do. If we Mm -hmm. were programmed, Years and years ago of what we're what I'm teaching, people would not freak out when they get symptoms. Right? It's it's all based off of what we've been programmed to believe and think about our own bodies, and never have you you know no one questions it.
1: (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right? Right? Can you describe like the five biological laws, um, maybe just briefly, and then we we can dive into the conflicts that might make that might.
0: Lay it out for us. That would make more sense. There's five biological laws that Dr. Hammer had discovered. The first one is going to be that every disease, and when I say disease, it's disease is only putting quotations because that's what we've been, you know, kind of programmed to say. But it's called the program in in GHK. It originates from something that is unexpected, somewhat acute, and it's a shock that occurs within the psyche, the brain and an organ. Okay, so it can't be you can't just have something happen to an organ that isn't connected to the brain. They're all connected. So that's the the great thing about this is someone will say to me, if they have a symptom, can you help with this? Yes, that (laughs) symptom, regardless of what the label is, there's a location in your brain for it. Like, you can't have a symptom without it being in the brain with exception to poisoning endo and trauma type of thing. But um, the the psyche brain and the corresponding organ is automatically always connected. And the second criteria that is connected to that is the content of the conflict determines which organ will be affected and from which organ of the brain the program will be controlled. So, for example, one of the biggest conflicts that people have is what is called self-devaluation conflict. So the content of the conflict determines the organ. With self-devaluation, it's all about, I'm not good enough. And I'm not good enough is always connected to the muscles, the bone, or the lymph, okay, of the conflict will determine the organ. So if someone thinks they're not good enough, it's going to go to just those specific areas of the brain and the organ. So that is so great because there's like no question. Someone tells me what their body, you know, what their symptom is or whatever their label is. We know what body system it is. I know on some level, some way of how that person thinks or where their trauma is connected or where their beliefs are based off of just knowing their symptom. And then the third criteria that is connected to that first biological law is that every program quote-unquote, disease, runs synchronously on the level of the psyche, the brain, and the organ. Okay? Like I mentioned on that first one, they all run together. They can't be separate
1: one without the other. So So that's your first biological law. Got it. So if I feel like I have low self-esteem, like that thought is affecting my brain, it's affecting whatever organ it's associated with, like my lymphatic system, and it's Mm -hmm. connected to my psyche, Correct. Yes. And, and really,
0: it starts from the perception of I'm not good enough. So let's think about that from a survival perspective, right? If someone says to you, or, you know, or you're thinking, I'm not good enough, that according to the survival system of the brain goes, oh, wow, that's something I should be in fear of, right? There's fear behind that. There's, there's not good uh, feeling of safety behind that. And so because of that feeling of I'm not good enough, that's going to create a connection that is connected to the to the brain, and then from the brain, just that particular thought, that type of thought, is always connected to those particular body systems. Mm-hmm. So it's it's super easy to make those connections once I know, um, uh, you know, what the symptom is. Got it. Thank you. And and that's why I just want to point out is you know the shock is one thing, but it can be an accumulative time of your life that you have been thinking you're not good enough for 20 years, that's enough to create conflict. And that first time that it happened, maybe when you were seven, and it was a shock because you felt that way, maybe because your dad or mom said something that threw you off. That was enough to build that perception about yourself, that belief about about yourself. And then you continue carrying that because that's how the brain is wired. It's it's wired to uh, once it's programmed to stay that way. So it doesn't have to remember things every day. Um, And you carry that belief with you your entire life. So eventually that keeps wearing on your organ um, because you're still thinking that way. So there is the shock connected to that the original, and then that can go on the rest of a person's life, which is very common with self-devaluation.
1: Excellent. Do you want All to take right. us through the next so ones? The second, yep. Yeah. So the second
0: uh, second uh, law is that every SPS, which is the program, runs in two phases provided there's a resolution of the conflict. I already kind of addressed that, the co- conflict phase and the healing phase. And again, it only can run in those two phases if there's a resolution, if there is no resolution and a person stays in conflict for years, they won't go into the healing phase. So it they run in two phases. It's automatically programmed to do that. But that's only going to happen if there's a resolution. So that's now, um, law number two.
1: Got it. Now, is a resolution literally just the disillusion of the stress that's caused by that conflict? So if I have low self-esteem, the resolution would be I have higher self-esteem. Is that a, a way to think about it? Yeah,
0: it is. That's a very, very simple way of looking at it. Um, because ultimately, if someone has low self-esteem, that's back to, you know, I'm not good enough. Th- there, That pattern is so ingrained in that person that telling them, well, you just need to think good about yourself isn't going to do the job. The right. resolution is going to be going back. And finding all those times in which, and this is the deep work. This is the work that's required to heal is going back and finding where all those connections to I'm not good enough or connected and then reconnect with yourself and confirm to your nervous system through many ways. Um, there's a lot of tools out there, or just even, you know, practical applications to help support and now tell your nervous system it's safe to be me. So in a, in a, in a very simple way, yes, you need to then start having confidence about yourself. But there is a process that, process that is going to be needed to reach that point because shifting it literally overnight, it's not going to be possible. Your nervous system is programmed to be that way. Got it. All right, good. So the third biological law is um, that the location of the spot in the brain uh, will determine where, what happens in the healing phase. Is there cell proliferation or is there cell loss? And so that means that there's either growth or breakdown of tissue depending on what part of the brain the program is connected to. So for an example on that one, let's go back to that self-devaluation conflict. In a self-devaluation conflict that involves the lymph, the muscles, and the bones, there is what we call cell loss. So let's think about the muscles. The muscles will get weaker in the healing phase of a self devaluation conflict, because it's breaking them down so it can build them back up to be stronger. Again, we have to think about survival. So going back to my discussion about me as a kid, I was spraining my ankles all the time. I was in a constant back and forth of self love, you know, um, uh, thinking that I'm good enough. And so I was going into a healing phase and that would weaken my system, but then I would be going back to a conflict. That was a hanging healing of self-devaluation basically my entire life. And so that created weakness because I was never able to fully go through that healing phase to make them stronger. So there, depending on what kind of conflict it is, where it's connected in the brain, it's either going to grow or break down that area in order to adapt for survival. And then after the healing process has been completed, that organ or tissue is then going to be stronger again, back to survival, which allows us being better prepared for a conflict of the same kind in the future. Now, let's look at the case of a sinus infection where there's cell proliferation. That's where healing symptoms are going to be, where you have a stuffed up nose that's caused by the swelling of your nasal membrane, uh, a reduced sense of taste or smell, maybe some um, nasal discharge and headaches. Uh, which headaches come in the healing phase, elevated temperature and so forth. That's going to be because your nervous system is in what we call the warm phase. But because of that location in the brain where the sinuses are connected to, that is where cell proliferation happens. So that third biological law says in the healing phase, you're either breaking down or building up in order to come back into homeostasis. Okay. got it that makes sense
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I'm thinking back to like when right, I good. was little and broke bones and it's just interesting to think about mm-hmm. it in this perspective
0: yeah definitely our bones are kind of fragile as we're growing just because there's a lot of stretching that's going on but if we really want to think about it that weakness is happening in that healing phase that's when most injuries are happening so we think at that point oh no there must I must be weak I must not be strong enough and then the self-devaluation conflict like continues that is probably the reason it's the most difficult conflict is because when we're in our worst and we don't understand, you know, GHK and from this perspective, we're then getting mad at ourselves that we're weak because of that happening. And it just keeps on going, which that's what happened for me as well. So,
1: yeah, I've done kind of a, a little dive into that, um, before this, and I learned about the principle of laterality, which you may be getting into, but Mm -hmm. how, like, if a right-handed person, if I'm right, so I'm right-handed. So I respond to conflict with like my mom or my son with like the left side of my body and a conflict with my partner on the right side. And so with left-handed people, it's reversed. And so I find this so fascinating because my bones that I've broken have all been on my left side when I was younger. And then like, as, as a mom. And so I find that so interesting because I am now very curious about okay, what, what, sort of conflicts what I have with my mother or with my son. So anywho,
0: it could be about being a mother. It doesn't even have to be with them. It could be about being a mother. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, there's, there's so much that's where it, that's where, you know, to be honest with you, the information that's out there, like when you go learning um, on the web about German New Medicine on learninggnm.com, that information is there as information that we can take in. But honestly, this is a very personal experience to where, mm-hmm. okay, I know what conflict that is, but we have to look at the whole picture and you as a person. So right. we don't want to think it's just about your son or your mom. It could be very well about you uh, right. and how you feel about being a mother. Um, Mm -hmm. so there's so many things that it could be, but those, that foundation of that GNM direction helps us really simplify the process to say, well, this is kind of where it could be. And now let's talk to you about what you feel about this. And then the answers will come. Got it. So cool. Yeah. And I usually don't get into the bilateral part of it because it is a little bit complicated, especially when we get into women's hormones and stuff like that. So I kind of leave that as. Um, being an offshoot that isn't really important in the beginning uh, yeah. of knowing if you're left hand right hand dominated um, because really at this point we just want to get the foundational stuff that comes along if uh, we start working more in depth with the person. But in general, handedness doesn't go for a lot of things. It's only for specific conflicts. Got it. And so, uh, law number four is microbes don't cause disease but play instead a vital role during the healing phase. This. This one causes a lot of debate. Yes. <laughs> so uh, this law, <laughs> it, it shows that basically so-called, quote-unquote, air quotes again, infectious diseases occur exclusively in the second phase of the program that's running, where the organism uses the microbes to optimize the healing During their activities, the microbes require a warm environment, hence the development of the inflammation and fever and all these quote unquote bad guys, but they really are good guys, are there in that healing phase. And basically, the fourth law um, summarizes that diseases are not contagious and that microbes do not cause disease.
1: Oh my God, this is just going to blow the top off of a lot of listeners, I think. If (laughs) you're listening and like (laughs) freaking out. Yeah. This is where I was too. When I first learned about this a few weeks ago, I thought, oh my God, what? So so I have a bunch of follow-up questions to that, you know, like, um, which we can get into now or in in a few minutes after you finish. It's up to you. Um, I think this is a
0: good place because we're right on the law of it. And so we can always go back to the law to kind of
1: support what your questions are. Okay, so the the big elephant in the room, right, over the last almost two years now, (laughs) it's like, okay, if microbes do not cause disease, then from your perspective, what is going on in the world right now with COVID? Mm -hmm.
0: What is this phenomenon? Again,
1: yeah, and we can look
0: at use German medicine to look at all epidemics, Um, we we can look at it to look at any type of disease. Um, Again, these are just conflicts that are in healing phases. And no different, this is really another version of the flu that's running around um, where people are having conflicts and it's a worldwide conflict um, that they're basically coming to a healing phase with. And when you are in the healing phase, when you feel like poo and you get tested, this is when the virus is going to show, okay? Because this is where the healing good guys are with any virus, quote unquote virus, This is where you're going to detect it. So if someone will go in without symptoms because they're not in a healing phase or they don't have symptoms at all and nothing comes back, that is because they're not in the healing phase. Mm -hmm. So we have to stick to this law of that microbes don't cause disease and that they're part of the healing phase because you will find and this the medical will support this. Like when you go in and you feel like poo and you have an infection, there's all this bacteria and they're like, we got to kill it. But we don't blame the firemen. When firemen come in to fight a fire, we don't blame the firemen on causing the fire, do we? Mm -hmm. Something else caused the fire. If we blame the firemen, these are the good guys coming in to clean things up. And you can find with every healing phase that the microbes are present. And honestly, you you will none of us would be alive if it wasn't for microbes. You are made of 45% microbes, Mm -hmm. whether that be bacteria there's viruses and, and, um, back, um, funguses, all of that is required. And If you go mm-hmm. out to the woods and you look at a rotting log, there's bugs all over it. There's fungus on it. They're breaking it down. And we are no different than nature. We, we all are starting in that same way. Okay. So we are connected to nature. We can't say we're separate. We work in the same way as far as when things need to be broken down. These bad guys, supposedly bad guys come in. We see it as being good guys. Mm -hmm. So this COVID thing is a big old healing phase that everybody's going through. Um, There's going to be based off of their symptoms. And again, I can't really put a, a big old balloon and say this is exactly what it is because it's very individual. You meet somebody with COVID and they may have sinus issues and a headache. And then you meet someone else that has a cough and body aches. Again, going back to the biological laws is that every system has a connection in the brain. So when someone has sniffles, that's the connection to the sinus and that's gonna be a stink conflict. So just because you have COVID, that doesn't tell me anything. I need to know what are your symptoms? Just like when someone says they have allergies and you are experiencing a healing phase directly connected to that program.
1: Got it. So it sounds like um, everybody responds to conflicts differently or not at all. So if I, Mm -hmm. if I get strep throat, but my husband doesn't, that's me responding to a conflict in a certain way. And maybe he doesn't have a conflict with whatever the event was or the correct. Okay. Got it.
0: Your conflict is based off of your perception. And think about our perception about what things going on right now, what we're being programmed to believe that is nothing but fear, which brings us into, OK, not only at a heightened state where our nervous system is now creating a conflict based off of whatever we're thinking. Oh, my God, I'm fear of dying. Oh, my God, I'm fear of, you know, contracting this virus. I'm in fear because my body isn't strong enough because I have, quote unquote, autoimmune and I can't fight this off. Think about that just by thinking those three things we have caused multiple conflicts. We have caused a self-devaluation. We've caused a stink conflict. And one other one that I can't remember what the first example was of being scared of of death. So now we have a long program. So right right there is uh, a multi-conflict
1: situation. And it's going to take some work maybe to resolve those.
0: Well, if you're in the healing phase, you've already resolved it. So that's the thing is when we experience symptoms... We have already resolved it. And if we dig into it at that point, it's really pointless. We can, we can do it for our own awareness of saying, Oh yes, this happened just before this, you know, all showed up and I totally see it now that's for awareness and for being able to move forward, you know, with Mm -hmm. a better way next time, but to sit and try and figure it out and brew over it. You're just going to bring yourself back into conflict. You're already resolved it when you got, you know, the symptoms, and so now it's about keeping your head in the right lane, staying mm-hmm. strong mentally, mm-hmm. and getting away from fear and letting your body do what it's designed to do.
1: It makes so much sense now. I remember talking to um holistic pediatrician who said do not give your kid anything for a fever unless it's like a real emergency like at, mm-hmm. we know 104 degrees because their yep. body is is fighting off or, you know, whatever working itself out and it makes so much sense it sounds Mm -hmm. like if you can just be like you said in a positive mindset and then also just take care of your body let you know rest and you know give your body the nutrients or whatever it needs um to get through that healing phase then you're going to come out the other side okay
0: you will and just having the right mindset will shorten the length of that healing phase because people get into that healing phase, they freak out and then it goes back into the conflict phase and then they resolve it. And then it goes back into the healing phase. So it it makes it longer because they just don't simply understand what's going on and they're fearing it rather than trusting it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I work with clients, they go through healing phases and they go through it in a matter of days, which before it would be weeks because they would be Every day waking up, you know, just causing more conflict surrounding that those symptoms. So your yeah. job, and I tell this to everybody uh, of our students, your job, your only job is to keep your head in the right lane. Your body knows exactly what to do. And it's really none of your business what your body is doing. It really knows exactly what. Just keep your head right in the, in the right lane. That's your only business to focus on
1: amazing. So what is the GNM perspective then on nutrition and healthy eating? You know, I find it fascinating because it's like, okay, if this is really like an emotional issue, a mindset issue, like why would anyone bother to eat healthy? You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? You're right.
0: <laughs> um, you know, you yeah, yeah. You know, everybody's got the Uncle Joe, at least you see one in every family, Uncle Joe that smokes how many packs of cigarettes and drinks and he lives to like 98, right? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and you wonder, I mean,
1: huh, here I am d- eating and drinking healthy and I've got all these problems and he's got nothing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my husband's, my husband's grandma, so, my husband's late grandma who passed lived to be in her nineties and she literally survived off of coffee and bread rolls. I mean, that was like all she ate. Yeah. and she was like fit as a fiddle. So exactly. Yep. And that's why I tell people don't get hung
0: up on the, on the food. The food is important as far as what I say it is, is your, the food is your quality of gasoline that you're putting in your car. And when your car has to optimally perform the better gasoline, it has the better, right? So let's say you eat healthy and it's not going to prevent you from getting a conflict. Eating healthy is not going to prevent you from getting a conflict, but let's say you get a conflict and you go into the healing phase, that eating healthy, your organs are much stronger, you have the power um, physically to back up that healing phase to support it. That's where that healthy nutrition comes into play in, in that whole picture of d Is it going to prevent it? No, because that all comes back to your psyche. But the resolving the part of the the healing phase, um, the better you eat, the better your body is going to be able to move through that healing phase. And you're absolutely right. We meet people all the time that eat junk and live to whatever, you know, they probably have a really good mindset. They probably don't sit and ruminate about things. They probably don't sit in a state of fear all the time. Um, It's, you're going to probably want to have a conversation with that person, get a feel for who they are, because that's probably why they're at the age level that they are.
1: Gosh, I mean, I just think about how many bloggers, how many like Instagram Mm -hmm. wellness influencers, like their accounts would just go away because they're just talking about food and detox all the time, myself included. And it's like, that actually is not as important, I think, as I previously thought it was
0: and and i used to be the same way you know my wellness center lived off of those two things you know survived off of that of diet changes we had the food in the store to buy you know because the regular grocery store didn't have the proper food and we're shopping in these different places we're creating more stress trying to eat healthy than someone just eating junk because Mm -hmm. and and i don't want to say just junk or let's just say a person that just doesn't care and just says food is nourishment i eat the best i can but if i have to eat a pizza or stop at a at a quick trip and go pick up a hamburger just to survive for the next eight hours on the road, it's not going to kill me. Yeah, That's the mindset we need to have versus, oh my goodness, I can't have that gluten because I read somewhere that this is bad for me. Or if I have this amount of sugar, it's going to you know do this to me. When we actually start getting picky about what we eat, we create food conflicts. We create a lot of um, scarcity conflicts, um, even self-devaluation because, oh, I ate that cookie. Oh, I'm so bad. And I shouldn't have done that. Now this bad thing's going to happen. Like, totally. That's all creating stress. You're, you're literally telling your body, I'm going to eat this, but just so you know, uh, you know, a tiger is chasing us right now because I'm stressing out about it. And I'm when I'm worried about the consequences, like the alert goes on, it goes, Oh, we're under threat guys, totally. you know, just from eating that cookie. And yes. so we got to let go of this, um, the detoxing and the food, it's outside of us. It's not what we're needing to work on that truly matters. And you can, I mean, I was detoxing since I opened my store at the age of 18 until I was the age of 38. Oh, no, it would be 35 detoxing like every week there was nothing left in me to detox yes. i mean seriously there's nothing in there that it couldn't have still not <laughs> somehow left me <laughs> right uh, i mean what more is there absolutely I mean, yeah it's just well, insane and and that detox is very stressful on the body as well you got to think about that the body goes hey i know exactly what to do here and you're coming in with this stuff and blasting all this shit out right
1: <laughs> well right i mean it's interesting because it's such a money maker and like i you know, getting back to just like yes. having such control over it's because it's something to control, right? To, what you put in your body and what you like mm-hmm. try to detox out of it is a form of control outside of us that we can we we can manage. I remember in two thousand and twelve, yeah. I tried being vegan, you know, for a few months. and I ended up developing, like, orthorexia, you know, like the preoccupation with mm-hmm. clean eating. I was obsessed with where my next yep. meal was going to come. I couldn't, like, be present in the moment I remember being at a friend's wedding just starving because there was I couldn't eat anything that was being yeah. served and I um ended up eating yeah. like McDonald's fries or something after the wedding <laughs> and I was like I remember having a moment being like this is not um where I imagined I would be in my vegan like my veganism like my journey this is miserable yeah um yeah yeah and I, so I totally buy an, I totally resonate with that.
0: And the money, like you said, there's so much money behind not only treating our stuff, whether it's medical or holistic world, the holistic world is just as bad as the medical It's just the natural version. Okay, I will. I 100% now am on that because I used to be there and I didn't see it. And I totally see it now. And there's so much money in preventative. I mean, you go, go into the health store and you're, you're loading on this stuff to build up your immune system. What? Yeah, I know. I mean, this is just insane.
1: Yeah, I know. I was like, I was recently at a conference, the health freedom for humanity conference. And, um, a doctor said, that's like the wrong question to ask. Like, how can I boost my immune system? It's like, no, how can you not weaken your immune system? Like your body is inherently intelligent. Like just get out of the way, like mm-hmm. stop exactly. putting stuff
0: in there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. Yeah. I mean, get out of the way. is really good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And you're right. It's overwhelming because I am looking, you know, in my cabinet this morning and I have hundreds of dollars of like supplements (laughs) and parasite cleanses and, you know, everything that I've been sort of panicked around, like especially coming into winter, I'm like, gosh, I don't have enough like zinc. Where am I going to get zinc from? Like it's all sold out. Um, (laughs) yeah. Instead of like, Oh, this is just another industry. Right. Uh, that is helpful in some cases. Right. Some people, maybe it's part of like someone's actual regimen. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's, it sounds like it's more important about, it's more important to consider what you believe about what you're consuming than when you're, what you're actually eating, right. Or consuming. It's like your belief system is what matters. It is.
0: It's, it's the root to all your problems, all your problems, (laughs) whether they're health, career relationship, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Go back to your beliefs and really your beliefs or your perceptions.
1: My God. Okay, so before we go any further, let's talk about the fifth biological law, and then we can kind of sum that up and then get into a few other questions that I have.
0: Sure, absolutely. The fifth kind of is just a nice little summary that just brings everything together. The fifth biological law is basically all so called diseases have a special biological meaning, meaning nothing in nature is meaningless or diseased. So everything happened, you know, whatever you're experiencing is not a disease. There's not something wrong with you. It's a
1: biological response uh, in order for your body to survive. It's so crazy. I, you know, it's interesting. Like this whole concept of GF GNM sounds, you know, almost too good to be true in some cases. And then in other cases, it's also like this big uphill battle, right? Of facing maybe some really Im- messy kind of emotional topics or latent kind of traumatic experiences that might be really messy or hard to look at. And so it makes perfect sense to me that it, you know, in my own life as well, it's much easier sometimes to just turn to the next new diet or the next like new pill or new food or like, you know, whatever detox program versus um, going inward, because that feels like a big unknown um, and less tangible. So that being said, then just to illustrate for us, like what are some, maybe just like sort of remarkable case studies that you've either witnessed or, you know, experienced for yourself that really illustrate the accuracy of GNM um, in a way that we could understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do want to kind of, you know, piggyback
0: off of what you um, said about there's simplicity in it, but there's also discomfort, (laughs) right? Right. There's simplicity. And, you know, my podcast is called simplify your healing podcast because it is, we are bringing things to simple because we're just focusing on one thing. But the work isn't simple because it's uncomfortable. It's work that requires you to go to kind of face your demons, face your patterns, face the things that you know are there. Everybody knows they're there. You know, I can have a conversation with somebody and say, you know, based on what you're telling me, this is all your limited beliefs. Yes, I know them. I just don't know how to deal with them or I don't want to deal with them. And I did the same thing. You know, I intuitively knew it was all emotional, but I went to everything physical outside of me to try and get it done so that I didn't have to deal with it. And that will only take you so far. You're going to hit a dead end at some point. So, I know, you have to be willing to be uncomfortable to heal and go on that deep, work, but that's what a coach is there to guide you with. You don't have to do it alone.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't, it seems to me like we're only now as a collective, like really getting the tools to start to understand like this emotional landscape and how to deal with feelings. Like, you know, many of us didn't grow up with like the toolbox or the modeling for how to really like work through emotions that are something that's even just meant to move through us. They're not meant to stay in our bodies and to traumatize us in this way. (laughs) So Yeah, super, super interesting.
0: Well, we're we're breaking generational patterns. We're realizing these patterns of thinking, these patterns of how we do things aren't working for us anymore. And this is the type of work that literally shifts families. It it changes dynamic within the family, sometimes not for the, the better because other parts of people in the family don't want to shift. But we see people completely shift their generational patterns that they've had for three, four, five generations before just by doing this work. And when we do that as a collective, we're changing the world. So this work is, you know, not just for this individual. It is a whole world change that comes with it. And that's why I love it so much. Um, Going back to what you you know the case studies I got plenty of case studies so I guess I'm just in my head trying to pick which one's the best one um yeah (laughs) I just talked uh with a client a client this morning that you know finished her program so I'm definitely because that's at the top of my mind I'll talk about hers and then another recent graduate of the NBR program um I am proof you know I can say my story and you can read my story on my website um but I really want to talk about the clients that I've worked with because it's more than just the proof with me. And usually that's what people want is, yes, we know you got better, but what about the other people, you know, that um, you've helped? And uh, so I am an example that GNM uh, perspective or protocol works. Um, But as far as clients go, that is like the icing on the cake to say, it's not just me, you know, this can help everybody. So um, Tania is one of um, the most recent uh, graduate of the MBR program and She came in with a list of over 30 symptoms. One of her biggest ones was that she was down to three foods. Okay, and so in the world of chronic illness, we know that food sensitivity is really big, right? I mean, it's people have not just maybe a sensitive to one thing, but multiple things. And she was down to three foods, could not even shower because she was chemically sensitive as well. She had a shower in filtered water. Uh, She couldn't have any of the smells. She couldn't go to the pool with her kids. You know, she was living in a cage uh, and she was down to three foods and, and and losing weight and literally thinking she was going to die of, of starvation because even the three foods that she did eat were still causing reactions, just not as bad as what the other ones were. So, so like she was allergic to everything else,
1: like she was like getting sick from other, from everything else that she, she would try to eat. From yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. She couldn't take supplements. She couldn't take
0: medications, literally. Her body, anything that came in her mouth, her body was in fear of. And her story um, really, it it really changed as far as the sensitivities goes when she went to the holistic doctors because, or naturopathics or whatever, because they put her on such a limited and said, this is, this is why or what you have to take away. And she literally became in fear, food of everything. And so working with her now, again, because GNM is very specific, we have to listen to the person, we have to listen to what their specific symptoms are. When someone tells me they have food allergies, really that means nothing to me except for, okay, we know that we have a tract within their subconscious that's connected to food. But I need to know what is the organ, you know, body part that this is connected to. So in her case, I can't, I think she had multiple lists of symptoms. So she had digestive systems, I think she had, uh, or digestive um, symptom. And then she would have like seizure effects. And then she would also have like palpitations, uh, dizziness. She had multiple things. Okay. So in her case, what we're going to do is we're going to look at her symptoms and see what the connections are to those and work on what was all happening prior to those symptoms started that resonated with the conflict. But the biggest component to this is her belief system around food. And she literally thought food was harmful to her. And that's what she's programmed her nervous system to believe. And of course, when we program our nervous system or mind to believe a certain thing, that's what it believes. And anything outside of that is going to cause any type of reaction, right? So in her case, we worked on just shifting the beliefs around her food, and that food was not the problem. And she knew it wasn't. And once she saw that the proof was that that the food wasn't the problem, because she could say she would have good days to where she would say, I ate the food and I was in a happy mood and I didn't have a reaction at all. The next day when I ate it and I was in a place of fear, I had a reaction. She goes, so I know it's not the food. So once she had that proof, she kind of you know, took the bull by both horns and shifted the way that she thought about her food first and foremost. And then we had to resolve all of her connections to her symptoms back to when things were starting. And What was really a a lot for her that was in connection to a lot of her symptoms was at a time when her husband was in deployment, she was living with her mother or her mother was living with her or something on those lines. And just there was a lot of stress around having someone else live there and her husband being gone and being deployed. And so a lot of conflicts created just from that one situation. So her allergies and sensitivities to foods completely shifted. And within six months of the program, she was able to eat anything. She ate Taco Bell as proof (laughs) because- if you can eat Taco Bell, I mean,
1: you can eat anything. <laughs> so
0: yeah, you can eat anything. <laughs> so she tested it out because she said my visualization is that I want to eat anything, not just healthy stuff. I want to eat if I have to junk food and see what happens. And um, now she p- posts pictures of all the food that she's eating all the time. She's just in love with eating. And she is originally German. So, you know, she loves to cook and she loves cooking has been a part of her family. So she's cooking all of her traditional German foods again. Um, And chemical sensitivities are all gone, all of that. So for her, her, you know, that was huge. And I can't tell you what you would do for allergies, because it's a very individual situation. But as you can see, this is about, all right, we got to figure out what the tracks are. Um, meaning what are the connections based off of your symptom? And then from that symptom, we know, okay, now that's what we're looking for, that type of an event, uh, type of beliefs. What are the beliefs that you have around food? Um, in general, you know, that could be a lot of things, um, whether it's from somebody else's beliefs or yours that you created. I don't know. We have to hit it from all different directions. So that's one example. Um We've also had Shar, uh, who recently just graduated the program, and she had Hashimoto's. She was on thyroid medication and uh, having a lot of issues with her thyroid. Which, in the case of thyroid, um, we're going back to a powerlessness conflict. Um, it can also be in connection to overwhelm. And so, when we look at women, let's look at thyroid in general, right? Women are burned out, and when we're and we're we're moms, we're career uh women and we're trying to balance both and a lot of times we feel like our what our hands are tied that we're powerless that we're not able to you know handle all of this and then we're extremely overwhelmed. Well, that thyroid is in charge of the speed, you know the speed at which we uh, metabolize our food. Um, so we also have to be looking at, when we look at the body system that it's connected to, it's a metaphoric expression. So oftentimes people with thyroid issues are always feeling like they don't have enough time. Here we go again, back to women. If you say, hey, do you do any self-care? No, I don't have time. Do you do this? I don't have time. So time and how a person thinks about time is really big when it comes to thyroid stuff as well. So in the case of Shar, she's a mom of, I believe three or four kids. She homeschools and she's got a farm. And so she's got all this stuff going on, right? And so when I talk to her and we we do the conflict uh, that's connected to this and talk about time, totally relatable for her. And now being able to move forward and say, I get to choose how I use my time. I have to set boundaries with how I use my time and what I say yes to and what I say no to. And again, this is where we do the deep work. With that pattern, there's going to be probably a people pleaser type of archetype that we work on. We figure out what, what are your patterns? Who are you? And based off of who you are, are you a people pleaser? Are you a yes person? There's going to be, most of your patterns are going to be connected to that. So in the case mm-hmm. of Char, that's what it was. She, her, one of her main um, archetypes was that she is a people pleaser. She has a hard time saying no. And that goes back to her thyroid. Once she worked on that, she was able to work herself off of the thyroid meds um, and is completely free of medication for the thyroid doesn't have any problems. Problems with that whatsoever, and is no longer having those markers of the Hashimoto's that she had when she first came in. So that, that's another example. That's um, amazing. Would you like? Would you like more? I can keep going, but those those are just a couple that come to mind.
1: No, I think it's great. I the ones that, that come to mind are. Um, I love that we're talking about like you know, Hashimoto's and some of these like kind of more internal things. I'm wondering about like, if you can talk about eczema or hemorrhoids or something that presents on the outside of the body.
0: Okay, sure. Um, and even there's a, a story I can talk to you about a Char her, her and her daughter in the rash that she had on her lips. So anything that is on the skin is going to be a separation conflict of any type. If we think about the skin, it, it's what separates us from the world, right? It's protects us. So, again, metaphorically looking at this body system is going to be a really good reflection about what this is connected to. In the case of Shar's daughter, she was getting a rash around her lips and she said it would come and go. And she, in the past, would have just taken her to the doctor. She let it go for about three weeks and then she messaged me and she said, Jenny, my daughter's got a rash on her lips. Could you give me some insight of what this will be connected to? And um, I said, well, dealing with the lips, it has to do with kissing, something, some type of separation conflict around kissing. And I said, you know, and her daughter, I think, is like six or seven years old. So I said, just maybe dig around and see what you can find. So Shar uh, went to her daughter and said, you know, have you been getting kissed by somebody that you don't like or do you want to kiss somebody or is there anything going on with kissing? And she said her daughter was like frozen (laughs) and her daughter goes, well, I've been kissing the wall, you know, pretending kissing, and I'm really scared that you're going to get mad. And here we go. This is, this is a perfect example, right? This little girl is kissing the wall. She wants to kiss the wall. It's part of what is going on in her mind right now. But at the same time, She's in fear of it. And so our our brain, as it's designed for survival, is doing this activity that we want to do, but there's fear behind it so that we're creating a conflict at the same time. So Shar talked with her daughter and said, honey, you can kiss the wall as much as you want. I don't care. And reassured her daughter, it's okay. You have nothing to be scared of. The next day, the rash was gone and never came back.
1: Wow. It's amazing.
0: Yeah. Yes. So, but that was a short and sweet, you know, she only had that rash for three weeks. So we caught it early versus somebody that may have had a rash for years. It might take a little bit more deep work to do because there's going to be triggers involved. There could be deeper stuff back to childhood connected to it. It just depends on when did it happen? How long have you had it? You know, and, and it's, if it's not resolving, then there's still something currently holding it in its place that it's not resolving. Yeah. So when we talk about skin, any type of rash, whether it's eczema, whether it's psoriasis, whether, whether it just needs to be a rash of any type, it's going to be separation and, um, we need to dig into it. It's either a person wants to separate or doesn't want to separate from it. There's going to be something around separation with, you know, some type of rash. So that Very makes sense.
1: Interesting. Yeah, totally. I I'm thinking about, um, the, uh, the other one that I mentioned hemorrhoids, like that's kind of like an acute thing that happened to me when I was pregnant. And it's like, I'm interested in this because it's like this common belief of like, Oh, when you get pregnant, you know, there's all this pressure on your abdomen and like your lower extremities. And, um, that's what causes it. And I'm wondering what the GNM perspective is on that.
0: Well, there's something to that when we're looking at at the pressure, you know, when you say that there's a pressure, but it wouldn't be back to what they're saying it is. Um, it's going to be, what are, What do you feel pressure around, you know, in your life right now? Mm. Um, but the other part of this is 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 going to be, we got to remember what body system, what body system this is back to, right? So handedness is going to be definitely a part of this. A person would have to know what number one, we need to know male or female left or right-handed. And if they are in menopause or not in menopause. So I'm assuming, um, you, you weren't in menopause. Are you left or right-handed? I'm right-handed. Okay. So right-handed female, that would be an identity conflict. Okay. So when we're talking about, um, hemorrhoids during that time, it would be identity. Like, I am I, are you scared to be pregnant or who, you know, identity is all about who am I, where, Mm -hmm. where am I in this world? Where do I feel that I can't be who I want to be? Or is this new, new image of me of being a mom uncomfortable? So it's around identity. Okay.
1: Fascinating. Yeah. Makes total sense. Okay. So, um, I think the last one, I think it'd be interesting to, to take like, um, a cancer, you know, diagnosis, either like breast cancer or melanoma or, um, ovarian cancer. If you could speak on one of those, I find those interesting. Cause it sounds like the different types of cancer since they're in different parts of the body, different tissues and different organs, um, reflect different conflicts, right? Yeah.
0: So again, it's just, um, cancer is our world has really blown up cancer. Okay. It's just a healing phase. We go through cancer all the time. You've experienced cancer, I've experienced cancer in, in low increments to the point where it doesn't manifest into something big all the time. Okay. It's a healing phase. So that's the first thing is as soon as someone hears that word, there are so many conflicts that come with just hearing cancer that yeah. that on its in itself creates more problems. When we understand that cancer, when we find a lump, that lump is part, part of the healing phase. And and that lump is going to dissolve at some point. It's going to get bigger and bigger until eventually it goes away. It's part of the healing phase, depending on how long that conflict is, it will determine that. Uh, but in the case of like breast, that's going to be a nest worry, you know, and again, it, handedness is really important. What side of, of the body or what breast it's on. So um, if it's the left breast and you're right-handed, it's going to be some type of nest worry about your mother or about your child. And so, is it any different than any other conflict any other program no it's not so mm-hmm. when we when we think of cancer we think it's something different because the meaning we've given it and the in med- what the medical field has done in the world of gnm it is no different than your body going through the process of like a cut or a digestive conflict of any type it's mm-hmm. just a healing phase
1: Got right will will you explain um, just quickly like what the nest worry conflict is about.
0: Again, it's gonna be very, I mean, I can give you a simple explanation, but it's gonna be back to the person of how they perceive it. It's gonna be something within the home. Nest, you know, your nest is your home. Is it that you're worrying about your your kids and and worried about something about your kids or you're worried about your mom? Um, you're worried about how good of a mom you are or you've had some type of um, connection to a loss of, of yourself. Again, we have a very generalized um, definition of what it is, but we need to have a conversation with the person of how they perceived it. So we have to basically give the very basics of it's a nest worry, something within your home, left side. If it's a left side, it's going to, need to do with your children or your mother. And from there, we're going to dig into and dive more into questions.
1: Now. In this instance, it um, and just everything you're talking about, right? like conflict conflict resolution being a huge part of uh, this, and that these symptoms present once you're in that healing phase. That being said, is there ever a place where like allopathy or Western medicine plays a helpful role? Or what would you say from your perspective? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. um, You got to remember, Dr. Hummer was an MD. So it's not like he was, you know, not like he was all woo woo. You know, he he was all about science. Right. So he he wasn't against it. There are times and places that you need something to be cut out. If a tumor gets so big that it is obstructing, you know, a function of something else in your body or it's just in general, you know, obstructing something, you need to get that out. Um, it's, it's where we go into, do you need to put a bunch of chemicals in your body to quote unquote, kill something, you know, and I'm referencing cancer type of stuff. That's something I wouldn't advise. And GNM really isn't about that, but ultimately it's still your choice. The person can still do a medical treatment of chemo or of any other treatment and still have a good mindset, resolve that and do just fine. The problem comes in the play of when they go through that and they don't resolve it within their own mind. And then it's going to come back again. You know, you hear this all the time. Someone had cancer two years, two, three years later, they have it again. Okay. Well, if you're going to do that approach, go medical, then at least bring in the GNM with resolving that if you can, um, so that this doesn't continue and Mm -hmm. you could have great success with that. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there a time when you have to bring in medical? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, we still, we don't let go of common sense, but we have to have a fine balance of our body does know a majority of the times what to do. And the more we interfere with that, the more we're causing problems. And the mm-hmm. less we can interfere, the better. If we need to save our life, so be it, then go get whatever you need to save your life.
1: Hmm. Now for your own clientele, then at what point are your clients finding you like in their journeys? I'm so interested in this because Most of the people I know that have some kind of chronic thing kind of go towards alternative medicine as a last resort. Do you find that that's pretty common with the men and women that you see?
0: I am the last of last of last of resort. (laughs) (laughs) I am not the first choice. And, and, And here's the thing is if I was the first choice there, well, they wouldn't be ready for it because this work requires you to be mentally ready, you really have to exhaust every other option to convince yourself that nothing else is the option. Because if I just came up to you when you first got diagnosed with something and said, honey, listen, this is between your two ears and we're going to work on your mindset. and You'd probably punch me in the face and say, get lost, right? Right. About stuff like this before. Like if I would get something right now, I'd be ready to do this, obviously. But someone that has not been doing this type of work before, or hasn't even been exposed to it in their life before isn't going to start here. They're going to start with they're comfortable with. And when that comfort level doesn't work anymore, they're going to go to the next comfort level. And the comfort level that is before me is going to be NDs supplements. And sometimes even the basic do it yourself brain retraining programs. Those are typically all before me. And when those don't work anymore, then they come to me. And by that time, they're so full of fear. And they're so convinced that nothing works. There's a lot of work on my part, or that willingness to trust me to move forward. Because there, this past proof that you know nothing is working, and that there's so much fear around it, is really holding people and keeping them stuck. Totally. So yeah. I get. Yeah, it, it's hard to you know move a person and say, trust me, take my hand. I will guide you. We've never had anybody. Take my program and not get results. That is great to say, but in the back of their mind, they'll go and convince themselves, yeah, but I'm special. (laughs) It's not going to work for me. (laughs) Right?
1: Do you have a certain type of chronic condition or illness that you see over and over and over again in your practice? Um, Probably anxiety is the biggest one. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: And and that literally comes just from what happens when we have chronic symptoms over and over again. Um, So anxiety is probably the biggest and probably every single client that comes in has that digestive problems. And probably the thyroid is also another big one. Thyroid, Mm -hmm. digestion, and anxiety, probably Mm -hmm. the biggest ones that I see. Um, But when someone comes in, they usually got a, a ball of of a lot, <laughs> yeah. of a lot going on.
1: Well, it's remarkable to hear you say that. Any, you know, everybody, no matter what their condition, that's gone through you and your program that you offer have have healed and come out the other side. You know, will you talk to us a little bit about what you offer your clients? Yeah,
0: uh, and just so you know, uh, the program is different for everybody because that's why we do the health breakthrough call i need to know you i need to know your list of symptoms i also need to know kind of what mindset you're in because from that i know what kind of support you're going to need and the list of symptoms is help going to help me determine okay is this person got one or two symptoms if that's the case we got a shorter option available because you're not going to need a six-month plan for one or two symptoms but if you got more than five or six symptoms, you're gonna definitely need to be in a six-month program minimally. Okay, so that's why that call with me is really important. I need to get to know you and what I can offer you based off of what I know that you're going to need to get from A to B. That's first and foremost. Um, but basically, the Mind Body Rewire program, we take all clients through the same steps, regardless if they come in with one or thirty symptoms. We're going to bring them through step one, which is basically that learning process. We're going to teach them the basics of GNM. We're going to teach them how to build their awareness muscle. We're going to teach them how to get out of fear. Because here's the deal. Most people say, Jenny, just tell me the conflict that's connected to my thing so I can resolve it. All right. Totally. I can tell you that, but I'll tell you right now, ain't going to get you anywhere. Because this foundational piece of number one, letting go of the fear And number two, building your awareness is what's going to get you through resolving that conflict. If you don't get out of fear, nothing's moving. So that's the foundational stuff we learn and get you prepped for identifying the next step. So uh, step number two is basically identify. We're going to help you identify what your conflicts are, what your subconscious programs are connected to your symptoms Uh, We're going to go deep into uh, deep work, not surface level work. We're doing childhood work. Uh, We're doing generational work. Uh, We're doing thinking and fears, all of that. We're going to get to know who are you, who is this person, and what are their patterns. And we're going to help break that down with the right questions and the right protocols that we have so that uh, identify is step number two. Uh, step number three is where we're going to release. We're going to teach you how to release and resolve all this stuff. Uh, and that means, yes, we're going to have to do some memory work. That doesn't mean counseling. Uh, we're we beyond counseling. Uh, we have to go beyond that because that doesn't do anything. In some cases, it might be helpful, but for this, it's not. So we have certain protocols that we follow for um, depending on what experiences people have.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: from that step, we're going to resolve what is causing the biological conflict, that stress, once you resolve it, you're going to go into the healing phase, okay? So this is actually all happening during that six months after that first 30 days. You're going to be working on identifying and resolving all at the same time for different things. It's, we, we, call, we have projects that we do. You have a, a project for symptoms. You have a project for inner child work. You have a project for boundaries. You have a project for all these different things. And within those projects, we give you the tools to identify and resolve. Once you identify and resolve, then we can move on to rewiring. You get to rewire yourself what you want to be. You have realized now, and people will come to the point, I've created my own problems. And that wasn't done on a conscious level. And now that we know that it wasn't conscious, it was subconsciously programmed because of the environment that we were raised with and what we were passed on, I can now do something about it. And you can rewire yourself to be whatever you want to be and do whatever you want to do. Because you're now in a neutral place within your nervous system, so we go through all of those steps regardless of what you come in for. Um, we're gonna teach you, work on this stuff, and then not just shove you out to the world and say good luck. Because I've seen that with too many programs to where there's no tools to move forward, and someone says I got better, and then I got stressed again and I got sick again. Well, that means we don't have the right tools to be able to handle life again, and we don't want anyone doing that. So. We prepare you for life um, as well, going back into that normalcy after we've done all that work as well.
1: Sounds super comprehensive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm very thorough. And there is no point in me helping somebody if I cannot ensure that they go through the right process. I'm not about doing it yourself because it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have We have coaches to help support. This type of work you cannot do by yourself. And I am not willing to sell a do-it-yourself program just to have thousands of people take it and hope it works for them. Every single person that takes our program and finishes and does what we tell them to do gets results. And, um, I don't, I don't want anything less than that.
1: So, yeah, I love it. I, for anyone listening, if you're listening and super curious, I'm I'm interested, Jenny, if there are any resources that have personally inspired you either along your journey that have led to this wonderful program that you've created or things that you would encourage people to start to look into if they wanted to dip their toe in and just like learn more about what they're hearing, um, whether it's like books or speakers, I'd love to know if you have any any to offer.
0: You know... I, I have very few because I'm a person that um, I, I jumped into GNM from that quirk and I, I and learning and worked with coaches. And and that for me was all I needed. Um, okay. I, I like to keep things simple. I don't like to be, you know, having tons of resources and put my energy in a lot of different directions. But I, I will say uh, Learning GNM website is a good place, but there's also some caution behind that because Learning has the science and has all the charts behind it. And it sometimes can be very overwhelming. German new medicine is so new in the United States that there's not a lot of translation done from German to English yet. Yeah. So that's the downside, um, yeah. but it's getting there. We're getting there. So, you know, there's some German new medicine books that you can look up on Amazon. Um, I don't have them all in front of me with there, there's a, a couple of them on there. One is by Dr. Willow. She's a naturopath and a German new medicine colleague actually of mine that basically wrote a book. It's a bunch of case studies in there. And that's what a lot of the books are, is a lot of case studies, um, yeah. because the science of it is on learning German new medicine, our gnm.com. And then uh, to us as trained, uh, being trained in GNM requires more than just these books. It does require us to, you know, know how to deal with certain situations and, and the training and being able to look at, um, The parts of the brain and and analyze that. So, the basic information that is out there um, would be learninggnm.com. The other one, uh, there's also a new book that is out that is called Give Me Back My Baby. And that one is another case study. And that one is on Andy Lockmere's website as well. And that one is about a family, don't quote me, but I believe it's on a family that got their child vaccinated, had lots and lots of problems after that, and then used DNM to get them through to the other side because it was a really bad situation. Hmm. Um, so that's another one. Um, let me see. I am uh, a personal growth type of person. So for me, German new medicine from, from my teacher was enough. I didn't have to go and buy more things. I'm a person that, okay, it makes sense. I'm good for me. Oh, totally. My yeah. resources were, I need to think differently. So, you know, anything that had to revolve around personal growth, I encourage you guys to to listen to that, to go to podcasts that are are about personal development, shifting your thinking, because ultimately that's where the answers are. Um, My podcast is a great resource, you know, Simplify Your Healing uh, podcast, where I do talk about this. I do help um, with shifting mindset. That's where the answer's at. So, yes, learning about GNM is, is helpful but ultimately you need to learn and embrace shifting the way you think about things mm-hmm. and build that awareness muscle and build the perception change muscle. Um, without those two things, you're not moving forward.
1: I'm such a like learning junkie. I love just like absorbing information and I could do it forever. And so I love that approach because it's about getting what you need in order to take the next steps and and take some action. Um, I also, I, I also agree with you, like the learninggnm.com website is amazing, but it is mm-hmm. so overwhelming. I mean, it's like, it's just yeah. so much information. So um, it's, it makes sense that it would be just helpful to talk with someone like you who can humanize it a bit and, right. and also customize it to what your experience is. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because you can go on there, and let's say you look up a certain thing, and then all of a sudden from that certain thing, it just says, you know, this is the conflict connected to it. It doesn't tell you how to resolve it, number one. And number two, it might not be exactly that of what it is on that chart. We have to listen to you and what your perceptions are around that. That chart is only a place for us to start. Right. And even as a practitioner, I only use that as a guidance and then I'm going to listen to the client because the client is has the has the answers for me. I just right. have to ans- ask the right questions. Right. Um, so right. it does require another outside look. Even I use coaches uh, and G&M you know, uh, partners in order to help myself because
1: we just don't see our own stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Jenny, where can we find you?
0: All right. So you can find me at my website, themindbodyrewire.com. Instagram, I'm at the mind body rewire. And then Facebook is mind body rewire. And then my podcast is simplify your healing podcast as well. And that's
1: on pretty much anywhere you can find your podcast. So awesome. Jenny, thank you so much for being on this was so eye opening and so informative. And I know it will serve so many. Thank you. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Feel free to check out the show notes below for more information on GNM and on Jenny. You can find me over at healing corner on Instagram or at healingcorner.net. Thanks for being here and see you next time.